Welcome in the Great Khan's Tent. History, Literature and Storytelling Hello all, we here at In the Great Khan's Tent would like to tell you that as we reach the Gregorian calendar month of September of this year, this will mark the one year anniversary of this podcast. It has been a great journey so far with all of our great listeners and we are happy to continue to provide you an entertaining and educational experience as we continue our journey together. To mark our one-year anniversary, there will be special episodes which we plan to release as we get closer to being one year old. I would like to take this opportunity to thank all of our listeners for being here and hope you continue to enjoy the quality content we provide. If you'd like us to do something special to celebrate this occasion, now is the chance. Let us know what you'd like to see by contacting us on our many social media platforms we are in, emailing us at inthegreatkhanstent at gmail.com, all lowercase, inthegreatkhanstent at gmail.com, or leaving comments on whatever podcast player you use. We hope that you have found the offerings made by In the Great Khan's Tent to be your cup of tea and hope you continue to listen to us. Thank you for making this podcast possible. Are you interested in getting the book you just published reviewed? Writing some piece of literature and need help getting it out there and promoted? Interested in sharing what piece of literature we should cover next? Well, fret not. In the Great Khan's Tent is now available on Patreon, where your contribution can help in growing this podcast. For as low as $3 a month, a price less than a good, and I mean good, cup of coffee, you can help contribute to the growth of this podcast. Every bit helps, but as always, it is not necessary to do so, but will be appreciated. Find the Patreon link on our website on our social media accounts, or email us and we can send it to you. Thank you. If you have any suggestions, comments, or complaints, please be sure to email us at all lowercase in the great tent at gmail.com. That is in the great tent at gmail.com. We would love to hear from our listeners. Thank you for listening, and now on with the show. In this episode, we conclude the story the story told by the Jewish physician, continuing with night 28 and beginning the story, the story told by the tailor in night 29 and night 30. I will have to say at the outset that the story told by the tailor and the character of the barber, which features in this cycle of stories, is one of my favorite characters in the 1001 nights. What becomes evident though told in a humorous manner, is that the level of education and prominence of the fields of study one would have to undertake to be considered as being on the same educated level as the barber. The fields of knowledge which the barber lists, such as morphology, rhetoric, knowledge of the religious texts, and of the Quran, all in their way speak to the educational environment available for the populace if they had time and money, although there was free education as well, to employ the best teachers in all these fields. The main character who is telling the story is once again, to no one's surprise, a son of a merchant 
who, much like the protagonist in the Jewish physician's story, suffers from some sort of event which causes him to become lame. As we continue on with this story, we may find out in a hilarious manner of why the protagonist suffered from the barber and became lame. In the name of God, the compassionate, the merciful. Praise be to God, the beneficent King, the creator of the universe, who has raised the heavens without pillars and spread out the earth as a bed. And blessings and peace be upon the Lord of Apostles, our Lord and Master Muhammad and his family. Blessings and peace, enduring and constant unto the day of judgment. Of a verity, the doings of the ancients become a lesson to those that follow after, so that men look upon the admonitory events that have happened to others and take warning, and come to the knowledge of what befell bygone peoples and are restrained thereby. So glory be to him who hath appointed the things that have been done aforetime for an example to those that have come after. And of these admonitory instances are the histories called the Thousand and One Nights, with all their store of illustrious fables and relations. Sherzad continued. So I departed to Egypt, where I met with my uncles, and they were rejoiced to see me. I found that they had concluded the sale of their merchandise, and they said to me, What is the cause of thy coming? I answered, I had a longing desire to be with you, and feared that my money would not suffice me. For a year I remained with them, enjoying the pleasures of Egypt and its Nile, and I dipped my hand into the residue of my money, and expanded it prodigally in eating and drinking, until near the time of my uncle's departure, when I fled from them, although they looked they could get no news of me. So they said, Probably he hath gone before us and returned to Damascus, and they departed. I then came forth from my concealment and remained in Cairo three years, squandering away my money until scarcely any of it remained. But meanwhile I sent every year the rent of the Ha at Damascus to its owner, and after the three years my heart became contracted for nothing remained in my possession but the rent for the year. I therefore journeyed back to Damascus and alighted at the Ha. The owner was rejoiced to see me, and I entered it, and I found the storerooms sealed up as I had left them. So I opened them and removed my belongings, and cleansed it of the blood of the murdered damsel, and removing a cushion, I found beneath this a gold necklace set with jewels that she had worn that night. I took it up and examined it. After wiping it clean of her blood, I stared at it, shedding tears for some time. After this, I remained in the house two days, and on the third day, I entered the bath and changed my clothes. I now had no money left, and I went one day to the market, where the devil suggesting it to me, in order to accomplish the purpose of destiny, I handed a necklace of jewels to a broker, and he rose to me and seated me by his side. Then, having waited until the market was replenished, 
He took it and announced it for sale secretly without my knowledge. The price bidden for it amounted to 2,000 pieces of gold, but he came to me and said, This necklace is of brass, of the counterfeit manufacturer of the Franks, and its price hath amounted to a, a thousand pieces of silver. I answered him, Yes, we had made it for a woman, merely to laugh at her, and my wife has inherited it, and we desire to sell it. Go therefore and receive the thousand pieces of silver. Night 29 Morning now dawned, and Shehrazad broke off from what she had been allowed to say. Then, when it was the twenty-ninth night, she continued, I have heard, O auspicious Shehanshah, that he told the auctioner to accept a thousand dirhams. He went on. Now when the broker heard this, he perceived the affair was suspicious, and went and gave the necklace to the chief of the market, who took it to the wali, and said to him, This necklace was stolen from me, and we have found the thief clad in the dress of the sons of the merchants. And before I knew what had happened, the officers had surrounded me, and they took me to the wali, who questioned me respecting the necklace. I told him therefore the same story that I had told to the broker, but he laughed and said, This is not the truth, and instantly his people stripped me of my outer clothing and beat me with mikrahas all over my body until, through torture that I suffered from the blows, I said, I stole it. Reflecting that it was better that I should say I stole it than confess that its owner was murdered in my abode for then they would kill me to avenge her, and as soon as I had said so, they cut off my hand and scalded the stump with boiling oil, and I swooned away. They then gave me to drink some wine by swallowing which I recovered my senses, and I took my amputated hand and returned to the Ha, but its owner said to me, Since this hath happened to thee, leave the Ha and look for another abode, for thou art accursed of an unlawful act. O my master, I replied, give me two or three days delay that I may seek for a lodging. He assented to this and departed and left me. So I remained alone and sat weeping and saying, How can I return to my family with my hand cut off? He who cut it off knoweth not that I am innocent. Perhaps then Allah will bring about some event for my relief. I sat weeping violently, and when the owner of the Ha had departed from me, excessive grief overcame me, and I was sick for two days. And on the third day, suddenly the owner of the Ha came to me with some officers of the police and the chief of the market, and accused me again of stealing the necklace. So I went out to them and said, What is the news? Whereupon, without granting me a moment's delay, they bound my arms behind me and put a chain around my neck, saying, The necklace which was in thy possession hath proved to be the property of the governor of Damascus, its vizier and its ruler. It hath been lost from the governor's house for a period of three years, and with it was his daughter. When I heard these words from him, my limbs trembled, my heart sank, and I said within myself, They will kill me, my death is inevitable, 
there is no doubt that I am a dead man. By Allah, I must relate my story to the governor, and if he please, he will kill me, or if he please, he will pardon me. And when we arrived at the governor's abode, and they had placed me before him, looking at me out of the corner of his eye, and he beheld me, he said, Is this he who stole the necklace and went out to sell it? Warily, ye have cut off his hand wrongfully. Why did you cut his hand off? This is an unfortunate man who has committed no crime, and you have wronged him by doing this. When I heard what he said, I took courage and my spirits rose. By Allah, sir, I said, I am no thief. They brought this grave accusation against me and beat me with whips in the middle of the market, forcing me to confess. So I told a lie against myself and admitted the theft, although I was innocent. No harm shall come to you, he said. He then ordered the chief of the market should be imprisoned and said to him, Give to this person the compensatory fine for his hand, or I will hang thee and seize all thy property. And he called out to his attendants, who took him and dragged him away. I was now left with the governor alone, after they had, by his permission, loosened the chain from my neck and untied the cords which bound my arms. And the governor, looking towards me, said to me, O oh, my son, tell me thy story and speak truth. How did this necklace come to thy possession? And he recited, You must speak the truth, even if this truth burns you with the promised fire of hell. So I replied, O oh my Lord, I will tell thee the truth, and I related to him all that had happened to me with the first damsel, and how she had brought to me the second, and murdered her from jealousy, on hearing which he shook his head, struck his right hand against his left, and covered his face with his handkerchief, and wept. And then he recited the lines, I see the ills of this world crowding in on me, their victims remain sick until he dies. Meetings of friends must end in their parting, and the time before parting is short indeed. Then looking towards me he said, Know, O my son, that the elder damsel was my daughter. I kept her closely, and when she had attained a fit age for marriage, I sent her to the son of her uncle in Cairo, but he died and she returned to me, having learnt habits of profligacy from the inhabitants of that city. So she visited thee four times, and on the fourth occasion she brought to thee her younger sister. They were sisters by the same mother, and much attached to each other. And when the event which thou hast related occurred to the elder, she imparted her secret to her sister, who asked my permission to go out with her, after which the elder returned alone. And when I questioned her respecting her sister, I found her weeping for her, and she answered, I know no tidings of her, but she afterwards informed her mother secretly of the murder which she had committed, and her mother secretly related the affair to me, and she continued to weep for her incessantly, saying, By Allah, I will not cease to weep for her until I died. Thy account, O my son, is true, for I knew the affair before thou toldest it me. See then, O my son, what hath happened, and now I request of thee that thou wilt not oppose me in that which I am about to say, and it is this. 
I desire to marry thee to my youngest daughter, for she is not of the same mother as they were. She is a virgin, and I will receive from thee no dowry, but will assign to you both an allowance, and thou shalt be to me as an own son. I replied, Let it be as thou desirest, O my master. How could I expect to attain unto such happiness? The governor sent at once for the cadi and the notaries, and he drew up the marriage contract, after which I consummated the marriage. He got a large amount of money for me from the market superintendent, and I occupied an honored place at his court. The governor of Mosul then sent immediately a courier to bring the property which my father had left me, for he had died since my departure from him, and now I am living in the utmost affluence. This then is how I came to lose my right hand. I wondered, said the Jew, at his history, and after I had remained with him three days, he gave me a large sum of money, and I left him to set forth on a journey. And arriving in this your country, my residence here pleased me, and I experienced this which hath happened to me with the humpback. The sultan, when he heard the story, said, This is not more wonderful than the story of the humpback, and ye must all of you be hanged, and especially the tailor who is the source of all the mischief. But he afterwards added, O tailor, if thou tell me a story more wonderful than that of the humpback, I will forgive you your offenses. So the tailor advanced and said, The story told by the tailor. Know, O sultan of the age, that what hath happened to me is more wonderful than the events which have happened to all the others. Know, sultan of the age, that my most remarkable experience happened yesterday. Before I met the humpback, I was early in the morning at an entertainment given to certain tradesmen of my acquaintance, consisting of tailors and linen drapers and carpenters, together with silk merchants and others. And when the sun had risen, the repast was brought for us to eat, and lo, the master of the house came in to us, accompanied by a strange and handsome young man of the inhabitants of Baghdad. He was attired in clothes of the handsomest description, and he was a most comely person, except that he was lame, and as soon as he had entered and saluted us, we rose to him. But when he was about to seat himself, he observed among us a man who was a barber, whereupon he refused to sit down and desired to depart from us. We and the master of the house, however, prevented him and urged him to seat himself. We tried to restrain him, and the host held on to him, swearing that he should not go, and the host conjured him, saying, What is the reason of thy entering, and then immediately departing? By Allah, O my master, replied he, offer me no opposition, for the cause of my departure is this barber who is sitting with you. And when the host heard this, he was exceedingly surprised, and said, how is it that the heart of this young man, who is from Baghdad, is troubled by the presence of this barber? We then looked towards him and said, Relate to us the cause of thy displeasure against this barber. And the young man replied, O company, a surprising adventure happened to me with this barber in Baghdad, my city, 
and he was a cause of my lameness, and of the breaking of my leg, and I have sworn that I will not sit in any place where he is present, nor dwell in any town where he resides. I quitted Baghdad and took up my abode in this city, and I will not pass the next night without departing from it, but this very night I shall set out again on my travels. Upon this we said to him, We conjure thee by Allah to relate to us thy adventure with him, and the countenance of the barber turned pale when he heard us make this request. The young man then said, Know, O good people, that my father was one of the chief merchants of Baghdad, and Allah, whose name be exalted, blessed him with no son but myself. And when I grew up and had attained to manhood, my father was admitted to the mercy of Allah, leaving me wealth, eunuchs and servants and other dependents. Whereupon I began to attire myself in clothes of the handsomest description and to feed upon the most delicious meats. Now Allah, whose perfection be exalted, made me to be a hater of women. So I continued until one day I was walking through the streets of Baghdad when a party of them stopped my way. I therefore fled from them and entering a by-street which was not a thoroughfare, I reclined upon a mustabha at its further extremity. Here I had been seated but a short time, when lo, a window opposite the place where I sat was opened, and there looked out from it a damsel like the full moon, such as I had never in my life beheld. She had some flowers which she was watering beneath the window, and she looked to the right and left, and then shut the window and disappeared from before me. Fire had been shot into my heart, and my mind was absorbed by her. My hatred of women turned into love, and I continued sitting in the same place until sunset, in a state of distraction from the violence of my passion, when lo, the Qadi of the city came riding along, with slaves before him and servants behind him, with his black slaves before him and his eunuchs behind and alighted and entered the house from which the damsel had looked out, so I knew that he must be her father. I then returned to my house, sorrowful, and fell upon my bed, full of anxious thoughts, and my female slaves came in to me, and seated themselves around me, not knowing what was the matter with me, and I acquainted them not with my case, nor returned any answers to their questions, and my disorder increased. The neighbors therefore came to cheer me with their wits, and among those who visited me was an old woman, who as soon as she saw me discovered my state, whereupon she seated herself at my head, and addressing me in a kind manner, said, O my son, tell me what hath happened to thee. So I related to her my story, and she said, O my son, this is the daughter of the Qadi of Baghdad, and she is kept in close confinement. The place where thou sawest her is her apartment, and her father occupies a large saloon below, leaving her alone, and often do I visit her. Thou canst obtain an interview with her only through me, so brace up thy nerves. When I heard therefore what she said, I took courage and fortified my heart, and my family rejoiced that day. I rose up firm in limb and hoping for a complete restoration, and the old woman departed, 
But she returned with her countenance changed and said, O my son, ask not what she did when I told her of thy case. For she said, If thou abstain not, O ill-omened old woman, from this discourse, I will treat thee as thou deservest, but I must go to her a second time. On hearing this, my disorder increased. After some days, however, the old woman came again and said, O my son, I desire of thee a reward for good tidings. My soul returned to my body at these words, and I replied, Thou shalt receive from me everything that thou canst wish. She then said, I went yesterday to the damsel, and when she beheld me with broken heart and weeping eye, she said to me, O my aunt, wherefore do I see thee with contracted heart? And when she had thus said, I wept and answered, O my daughter and mistress, I came to thee yesterday from visiting a youth who loveth thee, and he is at the point of death on thy account. And her heart being moved with compassion, she asked, Who is this youth of whom thou speakest? I answered, He is my son, and the fruit of my heart, and the child that is dear to my soul. He saw thee at the window some days ago, while thou wast watering thy flowers, and when he beheld thy face, he became distracted with love for thee. I informed him of the conversation that I had with thee the first time, upon which his disorder increased, and he took to his pillow. He is now dying, and there is no doubt of his fate. And upon this, her countenance became pale, and she said, is this all on my account? Yeah, by Allah, I answered. And what dost thou order me to do? Go to him, said she. Convey to him my salutation, and tell him that my love is greater than his. And on Friday next, before the congregational prayers, let him come hither. I will give orders to open the door to him, and to bring him up to me, and I will have a short interview with him and he shall return before my father comes back from the prayers. When I heard these words of the old woman, the anguish which I had suffered ceased. My heart was set at rest, and I gave her the suit of clothes which I was then wearing, and she departed, saying to me, Cheer up thy heart. I replied, I have no longer any pain. The people of my house and my friends communicated one to another, the good news of my restoration to health, and I remained thus until the Friday, when the old woman came in to me, and asked me respecting my state, so I informed her that I was happy and well. I then dressed and perfumed myself, and sat waiting for the people to go to the prayers, that I might repair to the damsel, but the old woman said to me, Thou hast yet more than ample time, if thou go to the bath and shave, especially for the sake of obliterating the traces of thy disorder, it will be more becoming. It is a judicious piece of advice, I replied, but I will shave my head first, and then go into the bath. So I sent for a barber to shave my head, saying to the boy, Go to the market and bring me a barber, one who is a man of sense, little inclined to impertinence, that he may not make my head ache by his chattering. And the boy went and brought this sheikh, this calamitous old man, 
who on entering saluted me, and when I had returned his salutation, he said to me, I see that you are very thin. I have been ill, I replied. May Allah dispel thy grief and thine anxiety and misfortunes and sorrows. May Allah remove all your cares, your sorrows, your distresses, and your griefs. I responded, May Allah accept thy prayer. He then said, Be cheerful, O my master, for health hath returned to thee. Dost thou desire to be shaved or to be bled? For it hath been handed down on the authority of Ibn Abbas that the Prophet said, Whosoever shorteneth his hair on Friday, Allah will avert him seventy diseases. And it hath been handed down also on the same authority that the Prophet said, Whoso is cupped on Friday will not be secure from the loss of sight and from frequent disease. Abstain, said I, from this useless discourse and come immediately, shave my head, for I am weak. And he arose and stretching forth his hand, took out a handkerchief and opened it, and lo, there was in it an astrolabe consisting of seven plates set with silver. And he took it and went into the middle of the court where he raised his head towards the sun and looked for a considerable time. After which he said to me, Know that there have passed of this our day, which is Friday, and which is the tenth of Safar, of the year 263 of the flight of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. In the year 653 of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And the year 7320 dating from Alexander the Great and the ascendant star of which according to the required rules of the science of computation is the planet Mars seven degrees and six minutes and it happeneth that Mercury hath come in conjunction with that planet and this indicateth that the shaving of the hair is now a most excellent operation and it hath indicated to me also that thou desirest to confer a benefit upon a person, and fortunate is he. But after that there is an announcement that presenteth itself to me, respecting a matter which I will not mention to thee. By Allah, I exclaimed, thou hast wearied me, and dissipated my mind, and augured against me, when I required thee only to shave my head. Arise then, and shave it, and prolong not thy discourse to me. So get on, and do it, and stop talking so much. But he replied, By Allah, if thou knowest the truth of the case, thou wouldest demand of me a further explication, and I counsel thee to do this, day as I direct thee, according to the calculations deduced from the stars, it is thy duty to praise Allah, and not to oppose me, for I am one who giveth thee good advice, and who regardeth thee with compassion. By Allah, he said, if ye know what is coming to you, you would not do anything today. I would that I were in thy service for a whole year, that thou mightest do me justice, and I desire not any pay from thee for so doing. When I heard this, I said to him, You are the only astrological barber whom I have ever met. I can see that you have a fund of jokes, but I only ask you here to look after my hair 
and instead you have produced all this rubbish. Verily, thou art killing me this day, and there is no escape for me. Do you need any more advice? Allah in his bounty has provided you with a barber who is also an astrologer, a chemist, an expert in natural magic, grammar, morphology, philology, rhetoric, eloquence, logic, arithmetic, astronomy, geometry, religious law, the traditions of the Prophet, peace be upon him, and the interpretation of the Quran. I have read the relevant books and studied them. I have a practical knowledge of affairs. I have committed to heart a perfect knowledge of the sciences, theoretical and practical master of technical skill. There is nothing that I have not organized and undertaken. I was a favorite with your father because I am lacking in curiosity, and it is because of this that I feel it an obligation to serve you. Whatever you think, I am not inquisitive. Night 30 Morning now dawned, and Shehrazad broke off from what she had been allowed to say. Then, when it was the thirtieth night, she continued, I have heard, O auspicious Shehenshah, that the barber said, Whatever you think, I am not inquisitive. He went on, O my master, he replied, I am he whom the people call Al-Summit, the silent and serious one on account of the papacy of my speech, by which I am distinguished above my brothers, for my eldest brother is named Al-Bakbuk, the babbler, and the second Al-Hidar, the bellower, and the third Bakbuk, the jabberer, and the fourth is named Al-Khuz, Al-Aswani, Aswan Jug, and the fifth Al-Feshar, the talker, and the sixth is named Shakalik, the prattler, and the seventh brother is named Al-Samit, and he is myself. Now when this barber thus overwhelmed me with his talk, I felt as if my gallbladder had burst and said to the boy, Give him a quarter of a piece of gold and let him depart from me for the sake of Allah, for I have no need to shave my head, I said. Without a doubt, you will be the death of me today. But the barber, hearing what I said to the boy, exclaimed, What is this that thou hast said, O my lord? By Allah, I will accept from thee no pay, unless I serve thee, and serve thee I must, for to do so is incumbent on me, and to perform from thou requirest, and I care not if I receive from thee no money. If thou knowest not my worth, I know thine, and thy father, may Allah have mercy upon him, treated us with beneficence, for he was a man of generosity. I know how to value you, and your father, may Allah Almighty have mercy on him, was generous to me, for he was a munificent man. By Allah, thy father sent for me one day, like this blessed day, and when I went to him, he had a number of his friends with him, and he said to me, Take some blood from me. So I took the astrolabe and observed the altitude for him, and found the ascendant of the hour to be of evil omen, and that the letting of blood would be attended with troubles. I therefore acquainted him with this. 
he confirmed to my wish and waited until the arrival of the approved hour when I took the blood from him. He did not oppose, but on the contrary, thanked me and in like manner all the company present thanked me and so I recited in his praise. I went to my master to draw blood, but I found that the time did not conduce to health. I sat and talked to him of wonders of all kinds, unfolding before him my store of knowledge. He admired what he heard from me and said, You have passed the bounds of understanding, you mine of learning. I said to him, Lord of mankind, had you not poured understanding over me, mine would not have increased. You are, it seems, a master of merit, generous and bountiful, a treasure house of knowledge, understanding, and clemency for all. And thy father gave me a hundred and three pieces of gold, as well as a robe of honor, which was handed to me, for services similar to the letting of blood. I could not stay silent, and I asked him to tell me why he had told the servant to give me a hundred and three dinars. One dinar, he explained, was for your astronomical observation, and another for your conversation. The third was the fee for the bloodletting, and a hundred dinars and the robe of honor were the reward for your eulogy of me. May Allah, I said, show no mercy to my father for knowing such a man as thou. And the barber laughed and exclaimed, There is no deity but Allah. Muhammad is Allah's apostle, peace be upon him. Extolled be the perfection of him who changes others but is not changed, who causes change but is not changed. I did not imagine thee to be otherwise than a man of sense, but thou hast talked nonsense in consequence of thine illness. Allah hath mentioned in his excellent book to those who suppress their anger, those who restrain their anger and who forgive men, but thou art excused in every sense. I am unacquainted, however, with the cause of thy haste, and thou knowest that thy father used to do nothing without consulting me, and it hath been said that the person to whom one applies for advice should be trusted, and whoever asks for advice is not disappointed. There is also a proverb, whoever has no elder to help him will not himself be an elder. And the poet has said, when you intend some action, take advice from one who knows and do not disobey. Now thou wilt find no better acquainted with the affairs of the world than myself, and I am standing on my feet to serve thee. I am not displeased with thee, and how then art thou displeased with me? But I will have patience with thee on account of the favors which I have received from thy father. By Allah, said I, thou hast wearied me with thy discourse and overcome me with thy speech. By Allah, you donkey's tail, I said, you go on and on speechifying and talking more and more. I desire that thou shave my head and depart from me. I gave vent to my rage and would have risen even if he had wetted my head when he said, I knew that displeasure with me had overcome thee, but I will not be angry with thee, for thy sense is weak, and thou art a youth. After that he dampened my hair and said, 
A short time ago I used to carry thee on my shoulder and take thee to the school. Upon this I said to him, O my brother, I conjure thee by Allah, depart from me that I may perform my business, and go thou thy way. Then I rent my clothes, and when he saw me do this, he took the razor and sharpened it, and continued to do so until my soul almost parted from my body. Then advancing to my head, he shaved a small portion of it, after which he raised his hand and said, O my Lord, haste is from the devil, and patience from the merciful Allah. And he repeated this couplet, Deliberate and haste not to accomplish thy desire, and be merciful, so shalt thou meet with one merciful. For there is no hand but Allah's hand is above it, nor oppressor that shall not meet with an oppressor. He then recited, Act slowly and not with haste in what you want. Be merciful to men and you shall meet the merciful. Allah's power is greater than all other powers and the unjust will suffer from injustice. O my Lord, he then continued, I do not imagine that thou knowest my condition in society for my hand lighteth upon the heads of sultans and emirs and viziers and sages and learnt men and of such a one as myself hath the poet said the trades together are like a necklace and this barber is the chief pearl of the strings he excelleth all that are endowed with skill and under his hand are the heads of sultans leave said i that which thou hast not concerned thee Thou hast contracted my heart and troubled my mind, for you have made me angry and distracted. I fancy that thou art in haste, he rejoined. I replied, yes, yes, yes. Proceeds slowly, said he, for verily, haste is from the devil, and it giveth occasion to repentance and disappointment, and he upon whom be blessing and peace hath said. The best of affairs is that which is commenced with deliberation, and by Allah I am in doubt as to thine affair. I wish, therefore, that thou wouldest make known to me what thou art hasting to do, and may it be good, for I fear it is otherwise. In the Great Khan's Tent is now available on coffee. If you are interested in supporting this podcast, please click on the link available on our many social media platforms or email us. Why not donate to our coffee to show your appreciation? Every bit helps and we thank you for your continued support. We love that our listeners love listening to us. Welcome to the vocabulary section for episode 20. First, let's look at some of the terms that we use in this episode. Franks. General synonym for a European from Western or Central Europe, also called Latins. Mustaba, an Arabic term for bench. Ibn Abbas, one of the most learned of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, and one of the most celebrated relators of his sayings and actions. Ibn Abbas was a cousin of the Prophet ﷺ, and is the greatest Musafir of the Quran. Born in 619 CE and passed away 
in 687 CE. Cupped. Bleed someone by using a glass in which a partial vacuum is formed by heating. Astrolabe. Astronomical instrument serves as a star chart and physical model of visible heavenly bodies, capable of working out several kinds of problems in astronomy and measures the altitude above the horizon of a celestial being and can be used to identify stars or planets. Suffer. Second month of the lunar Islamic calendar means travel or migration corresponding to the time when the first Muslims fled the oppression of the Quraysh in Mecca and traveled to Medina. Flight of the Prophet. Known as the Hijra, the Prophet and his followers migrated from Mecca to Medina in 622 CE. Al-Summit. Arabic name means quiet or one who doesn't speak. Al-Bakbuk. Word that is supposed to sound like a liquid poured out of a bottle or being gulped down. Buck-buck. To talk too much, to chatter, or to prattle. Natural magic. Magic practiced for beneficial purposes, including the making of images, healing, and the use of herbs. Morphology. The study of the forms of things or the study of the forms of words. Rhetoric. Art of effective or persuasive speaking or writing, especially the use of figures of speech and other compositional techniques. Rent, a large tear in a piece of fabric, or an opening or gap that resembles a tear in a piece of cloth, or tear something into two or more pieces. Now let's look at some of the words used in this episode. Residue. The part of the estate that is left after the payments of charges, debts, and bequests. Or, a small amount of something that remains after the main part has gone or been taken or used. Prodigally. Very generous with money, time, energy, especially when this is unwise. Expended. Spend or use up a resource such as time, money, or energy. Concealment. The action of hiding something or preventing it from being known. Contracted. Decrease in size, number, or range. Scalded. Injure with very hot liquid or steam. Compensatory. Of a payment intended to recompense someone who has experienced loss, suffering, or injury. Profigulary. Reckless extravagance or wastefulness in the use of resources. Counterance, a person's face or facial expression. Extolled, praise enthusiastically. Canist, archaic second person singular present of can. Judicious, having, showing, or done with good judgment or sense. Discourse, written or spoken communication or debate. Or, speak or write authoritatively about a topic. Dissipated of a person or life, overindulging in sensual pleasure. Augured, of an event or circumstance, portend a good or bad outcome, or foresee or predict. Explication, the process of analyzing and developing an idea or principle in detail. Incumbent, necessary for someone as a duty or responsibility. 
Conformed, comply with rules, standards, or laws. Wearied, cause to become tired or grow tired of or bored with. Deliberate, engage in long and careful consideration. Lighteneth, archaic third person singular simple present indicative form of light. Eloquence, fluent or persuasive speaking or writing. Munificent, of a gift or sum of money, larger or more generous than is usual or necessary. This episode has been written, edited, and produced by Saf Big. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day and or night. And may the journeys on which you are set upon be fruitful. Thank you for listening.